Good morning. You're listening to The Daily Cast, a podcast to start the day on Kilcullen Diary. I'm Brian Byrne. And it's Friday, the 23rd of April, 2021. The weather today, it looks like a clear start with sunny spells and some light clouds, temperatures rising quickly and topping out at about 15 degrees in light to moderate breeze from the southeast. It will again feel warmer in the direct sun. Our person of interest today is someone all of us in Ireland grew up learning about in our early Irish history, Brian Baru, who was killed in battle on this day in 1014. He was, at his death, the High King of Ireland. Brian was born around 941 at a time when the population of Ireland was only around 500,000 people, but with an estimated 150 kings of various levels of importance and power. His home place was Kincora in modern-day County Clare. His father was a king of the Dalcassians tribe of Munster. His brother Mahan was the first king of Munster, but was killed by a rival claimant to the rule. Brian subsequently avenged that, and by his military skills and ruthlessness in slaughtering his enemies, he secured his own position as Munster's de facto ruler. Those enemies included the local Norsemen, As a child, he had witnessed a Viking raid on his tribe that had come up the Shannon, so he had an abiding hatred of them. But he had learnt from the Vikings the value of ships and had his own naval forces. He used them in subsequent raids and battles. On one campaign, he travelled up the Shannon with a fleet and attacked the kingdom of Brefni, nowadays Cavan and Leitrim. Later, in his endeavours to conquer Leinster, he took the city of Dublin from the Norse ruler Citric and then cemented his position by giving Citric one of his daughters in marriage and himself marrying Citric's mother. After that, although the method and sequence is a mix of myth, musical ballads and murky history, he took the High Kingship of Ireland from the incumbent Maelshochnil around 1002. But it wasn't a done deal with everybody and he spent much of the next decade repelling probably brutally, the opposition of other kings around the country. In particular, those of Ulster, ruled by Flaherty O'Neill. In these campaigns, Brian was supported by his former enemy, Maelshochnil, at this time King of Meath. In 1005, Brian made Armagh the religious capital of Ireland, thus gaining the support of the church in that area. It has been suggested that he was setting up a new form of kingship in Ireland in association with the church, the other power. Whatever, by 1011 he was acknowledged as having authority over all the country's regional rulers. But such authority is unstable, and very quickly there were rebellions. Maelmorda of Leinster, who had previously been beaten by Brian, allied with Flaherty O'Neill of Ulster to challenge the High King. Ensconced in Dublin, he enlisted the Norse Gales of that city in his endeavours under Brodir and from the Isle of Man as mercenaries. And on this day in 1014, which was Good Friday in the church calendar, a bloody battle at Clontarf in Dublin ended with victory by Brian's forces. However, the now elderly High King was himself killed by Brodir, according to legend, while praying in his tent. It was a bloody event that also almost wiped out Brian Baru's direct bloodline, despite the fact that he had at least four known wives. A son and grandson were killed at Clontarf. But the clan has survived under the name O'Brien. And now to our feature of the day. Kilcullen Tennis Club will reopen on the 1st of May with three courts featuring top-of-the-range playing surfaces. 
The club, which was relaunched in 2017 after being non-active for decades, currently has 170 members, and with the new courts there is now potential capacity for 300. Final installation of the new courts is currently underway, thanks to funding support from the Sports Capital Programme, Kildare Credit Union, and by fundraising from members themselves. It has been a journey to get to this stage, according to the club's development officer, Gerard Miller. We obviously went through the planning journey. We originally wanted to uh, put four courts in, but we were very happy with the three and how we're doing it now. So club work was to be done last year, um, but obviously COVID prevented all of that. So in the meantime, we've lined up everybody to come in and do this. So this would have been, I'm actually looking at a picture of it here. It, it, it would have involved the contractor, Casey Courts, coming out and doing all the preparatory work, so taking down all of the existing fencing that was there clearing out a lot of the space on the grass, which as you you know probably better than I, the original grass courts. So all of that area, surface area for planning was cleared out and prepared, levelled, all the hardcore, the drainage goes in, and yesterday they were tarmacked. And today, as you saw, the artificial grass is now being laid on it. Now, that's going to take a few days. And as you would know from something of a similar nature, they're very heavily sand-based. So they'll be prepared over the next two to three days. Uh, and then the fencing and the gates will be reinstated again um, all around the club. And that has us to the point that we can take it so far. There will be a soft reopening of the club next week. In line with COVID restrictions, it will be open only to members and then with other safeguards, such as singles matches or in doubles the pairs on either side must be from the same household. But the members are all very excited, according to Gerard Miller. To move from two old tarmac courts, which you could only effectively play on four or five months a year with the weather, the wetness, they're not safe to play on and then having no floodlights. Um, to move to this situation is, is remarkable in such a short space of time, especially, you know, on behalf of all the original people involved and the support from the Kildare Development, or Kilcullen Development Association. So we're delighted to be where we are. It's been a lot of hard work by a lot of people on the committee, a lot of effort by the members, a lot of great local support and goodwill, I have to say, uh, to see it back up and running. And we're, we're delighted to be where we are. It's a, it's an all a very durable all weather surface. Um, it will allow you play throughout the whole year. Um, during the summer, we'd be lucky enough to get up to late nights without any, any need for floodlights. And rapidly, as you know yourself, getting into that stage now, we will have the floodlights in play more towards the back end of the summer. We don't need them now until we're getting into the early autumn. Uh, and they'll allow us to play up to 10 o'clock at night all year round. But the surfaces itself, even if it's wet, Although you'd want to be very dedicated to be playing an Irish raid in the winter, you can play in them safely with the right footwear. And that's another thing that our members and new members will have to start thinking about now is getting more tennis-specific appropriate wear, especially on courts like that. But it's it's a quantum leap forward for you know a club which does go back to the 50s, fell into this use and has really kick-started in the last few years. And, and I'd also say... We, we've been getting a lot of support from the existing bigger clubs around here again. Goodwill, support, they're excited to see us up and running. So we look forward to playing in some little competitions with them, uh, leagues, internal leagues within the club. 
Having those three top-class courts will allow the club to host some inter-club competition, which will bring a good buzz to the Cullen Club's premises at Logstown. And then there's the next stage to work on, a refurbishment of the clubhouse. The next phase is getting the clubhouse up to, you know, fit for purpose. I mean, it's great to have the building there, but it needs a lot of love. And uh, we've put another grant application in looking for approximately €85,000 to do a lot in it. Um, But that's shooting for the stars. Um, The the 66000 we got in the grant is going to be totally exhausted. In fact, it almost is already. We had to raise between sponsorship, which is growing, uh, and fundraising and the loan another 55,000 on top of that, which we've done. It'll be approximately 116,000 euros worth of work is going in to what we're doing now. We're also looking at it from a sustainability point of view, but we need planning for that. We'd, we'd love to put, you know, a photovoltaic um, stuff up on top of the roof. We will look to do other stuff. There is going to be in due course when we raise more money putting in the bike park uh, that's going to be in there. There's a lot more to go, but this is a hugely significant milestone for the club. A key part of the future plans are to bring forward a new generation of tennis players. And as part of the new season, there will be training for young members from the 8th of May. The club has retained coach Cormac Doherty to run group coaching for all levels and to train those who wish to compete. There's a lot of rusty racket people like myself who return to the sport after years, but there's only so much we can do. You've got to, when you're building a club like this, you're looking to the future. So a lot of the kids are members of other clubs locally, but this gives them another opportunity to do something different, you know, to diversify instead of concentrating just on one sport. So we will have people of all levels and we will subdivide it by age category throughout the day and they will come in, whether they're beginners or not, they'll have different types of tennis balls, we'll put different practice nets up to split up the courts, and the emphasis will be just on learning the basics, not nothing technical, uh, and learning how to move on the tennis court and hit a ball. Now, we've more advanced kids inside here as well, um, and they'll, at the older level, get more advanced training, or they'll start playing with some of us rusty rackets as well. And then, longer term, I don't know if you're aware of it, globally, the tennis community under the Irish or the International Tennis Federation is launching a thing called the World Tennis Number. Now, the reason I mention this is it allows every player from junior to senior to get a rating based on their results, whether they're in competition or whether they're in a local club challenge match. And you record it constantly. This is global. And my point in saying this is we will face the, the time in the future whereby you could have a 12-year-old who's a superstar playing an old Glarl veteran like me, but because we've got the same world tennis number rated within a few points of each other, you can have more open competition instead of it being the old fellas or the ladies or the juniors. So it's all with an eye in the future from that point of view. But nearly half of our club members are kids and they have a fabulous time over there. The serious kids and the not so serious kids, but the emphasis on just fun and enjoying themselves. Jared Miller the development officer for a very much revitalised Kilcullen Tennis Club, which looks to have a very exciting future. And now a quick roundup of the stories of the day, first from our local newspapers in their online versions. The Kildare Nationalist this morning leads with a concern over reports of a significant COVID-19 outbreak at the construction site at Intel in Leakslip. 
Local TD and Social Democrats co-leader Catherine Murphy says there needs to be a review of how workers are travelling to the site. KFM Radio gives prominence to another TD, People Before Profits, Paul Murphy, calling for work to cease at the site. And the Leinster leader also highlights the story, headlining a call from the SIP2 union for an urgent meeting with the contractors. The examiner this morning goes big today on cervical check and how €2.5 million was spent on setting up the tribunal to deal with the issue, but just three claims have been lodged. It's being branded a failure by the campaign groups and by opposition TDs. RTE leads with hairdressers and beauty salons reopening up in Northern Ireland today as COVID restrictions are eased there, while a story below highlights reasons for real hope here, even as 617 new cases are reported. The Independent is not convinced, reporting that reopening the country is on a knife edge as cases rise again. And the Irish Times is back on vaccines and further reports of clotting from the AstraZeneca one. At least it'll be a fine weekend, according to the weather people, so maybe we can forget some of all that for a while. And that's it for this week from The Daily Cast. I'm Brian Byrne. This is Cullen Diary. Thanks for being here. And the cast will be back again on Monday.